When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Our country vowed to never forget 21 years ago. But those words require action. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has over 80 runs, walks, and climbs across America every year, plus dozens of more golf outings and barbecues you can be part of. There are so many ways that you can take action. Register for an event in your area or volunteer to start one. Do good and never forget by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, my partner in crime, Mr. Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues, Mr. Ainsworth. It's going to sound very different when someone else does the opening coming up. <laughs> like, are you, are you, do, you, do you have that level of voice, Mr. Ainsworth? That's going to be awesome. That's that's funny because, like, I've actually really enjoyed being the person that's like, I'm going to let him set the tone and I'm going to match it. Like, that's, going to re- that's really, really difficult to find. Uh, friends, uh, breaking news. Uh, this will be Mr. Cummings' last episode of F in Sports. So nothing negative is happening. I love Parker. I think Parker loves me. Just depends on how I talk about James Harden in a particular week. Um, <laughs> uh, I, in, in terms of life, I have lots of things that are going to be going on from new school, new job, just new situations. And something had to give. Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be the podcast. Um, I may keep in touch with lots of different people to see if I can sneak into a few things here or there. But in terms of a regular weekly appearance, it's just not going to be in the cards, unfortunately. And so FS Sports is still going to be around. It's just going to look a little different because Parker's going to have to find another teacher. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the transition looks like, P. I'm curious, like, have you been able to reach out? you feel like you got something in the works? I'm curious as to... I, I would I would fully recognize if for you this is like oh Shock is leaving and 
you know, but there's still got to be some positive <laughs> energy about like the idea of doing something new and something different. No. Well, and we can break it down more. It's like, it, it is a little different. Cause it's like, man, there was a lot of the, the show was, has been going really well. And it, it, it's not that the other parts of your life, like more stuff's going well for you than just the show. And so it's time to go do those <laughs> other things. Um, I, I'm going to look at some substitute teachers. I got some people in the, some people in the mix that are agreeing to do some different things. Um, also reached out to some different people that I've, Honestly, never talked to on social media. We'll see if they jump in. But I'm, I'm looking at some different things to see how it goes because this is a great show and it does need to keep going. Uh, and, and frankly, Shaggy started some really fun here. Uh, I will say, I fully anticipate you coming on as if nothing ever happened, if the New York Knicks win an NBA championship. <laughs> if the New York Knicks win the NBA championship, I might not be able to come on because of the heart attack that will kill me. But um, otherwise, I think I'll be able to make it. Uh, I think I'll make it. Um, so... Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, gold stars and detentions. I think uh, it's only appropriate that I give the final gold star that I'm going to give on FN Sports to my partner in crime, Parker Ainsworth. When I came up with this idea for this podcast of two teachers grading sports issues, and I've told Parker this, so I'm just telling you guys what Parker already knows. The only person I would do this with was Parker. Like, I came up with this idea, and... I reached out to P and I was like, if Parker's not doing this, I'm not doing it. Like I'll do something else. And I reached out to Parker. It, it was the beginning. It was like the beginning of the calendar year, 2020. And yeah, you know, I was, I, we were talking, I was trying to talk him through the structure. We were feeding off of each other back and forth. We had the tragic death of Kobe Bryant. And then I got the text from Parker. Like, when can we do this? Cause he was, re- that was, he was ready to engage in that and you know Pete, i don't know that we ever really fully did actually do like the kobe tribute episode and that was the catalyst right like that was the catalyst right. to make this thing happen um i know that the never heard pilot episode will be coming out uh, fairly soon <laughs> and so you guys will get to see the first episode that we did where parker and i basically talked about the houston astros and whether or not their championship was legit and from there We've been taking in your feedback. We've gotten feedback from literally people all over the country to try to structure the show and to make it what it is. And like, while the idea originally was mine, what FN Sports is, is thoroughly us. And some of the things that people really enjoy, like the idea of gold stars and detentions, like the hashtag don't funk with us. Like if we start... (laughs) attributed things to certain people. Those are directly from Parker. Like those are Parker's contributions directly. And I just recognized good ideas when he threw them in my face. And I was like, bet we're doing it. So P thank you for a year and a half of an awesome podcast. Like, I feel like I've gotten to know you in a way that I didn't even know you when I worked with you. I've gotten to see you. (laughs) You're married. You are, you're looking at so many different opportunities, whether it's in this sports vein I know educationally you're looking at things. So, like, I got to see you get that master's degree. Like, I feel like I've been a part of so many pieces <laughs> of the Ainsworth experience. Like, you were an honorary Golick. I feel like I'm an honorary Ainsworth. And, and I, I just throw a gold star back at you not to get too sappy with it. Um, I I got to be honest, when you text me about the way back, God, it's been so long now, but uh, about starting the show, I was like, wait, for real? Like, <laughs> like, so like you're talking about these like small picture ideas that I had to help the show or whatever, but you had the big picture. You had the show. And I, it was really, uh, I was honored to be asked to be a part of it. And I think that we've got a great thing going. And 
frankly, there's some pressure to run with it now. <laughs> like, like, um, and, and that pressure is because you did a great job, man. Like, this is a really great idea, and we're going to keep it going. Teachers know about more than just what they teach, right? Um, no, absolutely. And, and it's really it, – it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep growing and molding, and we will have you on for guest host because – Whenever these New York teams finally start winning things or Eli gets in the Hall of Fame or something crazy hey. happens, we're going to talk about it. Uh, I promise. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, two things, right? Because this is what I do. Um, I just interject these random things. The first thing is, yeah, it doesn't matter. Even if teachers don't know about stuff, like we'll still be forced to teach that class because somehow the district doesn't have enough money. And so we got to now all of a sudden <laughs> I'm teaching Spanish or whatever. Um, so that's the first thing. But the second thing is, what do you mean when New York teams start winning? Like you haven't seen the Yankees <laughs> and the Giants. Like, man. Uh, 1994 was a long time ago for you, but the Rangers have a Stanley <laughs> Cup, sir. So when the New York team saw winning. Um, <laughs> the, the only detention that I have this week is just for the fact that this is the last episode. Like, I, I genuinely am going to miss this venue to just be able to talk sports, like to talk, share my opinions, share perspectives. And I didn't need everyone to agree. And Parker knows this about me. Like, I don't need you to agree. <laughs> I, I love the debate as much as anything else. And as long as when we're having the debate, it's a respectful debate. We are able to share those perspectives. And listen, what respectful means is not that we don't yell at each other because Parker's yelled at me plenty over a year and a half, right? What respectful just <laughs> what respectful means is that, you know, it doesn't deteriorate into these debate fallacies where somehow we are insulting each other or anything like that. No, it's always smart debate. Right. Um, I told Parker this. I think I told you this last week. Pete, my favorite episode that we did or the favorite segment that we have done was the one that we did very recently about Aaron Rodgers because it was smart. We were yelling back and forth at each other, but it was smart. And I don't know that I convinced you to come over to my side. I don't know that you're ever going to convince me to come to your side on this. But we were able to have intelligent discourse, even though we disagreed and we were able to do that passionately. And at after we were done, we still did several more episodes of FS Sports. So, like, it was obvious that we were able to circle back up. I think we did a segment right after. We were able to circle right back up and still be able to have intelligent discourse. And so, obviously, I'm going to miss that. And so, the detention is just for the fact that I'm going to miss this show. But I am already subscribed. I am invested. So, I will be continuing to listen and see how this show <laughs> evolves. Absolutely. Mr. Ainsworth, so here's the weird thing, Mr. Ainsworth. I did not ask you if you had a detention this week, sir. So I yeah. don't know if you have one or not. So I'm going to detention Asterix and Bill O'Brien <laughs> and Rudy Gobert and Aaron Rodgers. No, I, I, there's there's just a lot of things that we obviously disagree on. And it's a shame that, like, I have always appreciated your perspective on these things that I feel like I've got a really good understanding on, like Bill O'Brien or Aaron Rodgers or Rudy Gobert and, like, getting to hear a different side of it from someone I respect and thinks intelligent. So the detention is to all those things. Cause now I don't know how I'm going to talk about those things. <laughs> you better get a really smart teacher. Um, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, friends, we are not going out on a whimper. We are going out with a bang because I have been trying to get Jay Johnson from hardcore honeys to do this podcast. And we've just been trying to finagle. She's got a lot going on. It needed to fit. And we are doing NBA playoff preview slash kind of season recap slash kind of preview looking forward because I'm never going to be able to do this again. So it's all got to get fit into this week. Um, so we got, <laughs> we got Jay Johnson from Hardcore Honeys who's going to join us. We're going to do our NBA SATs. I am so looking forward to this show. Mr. Ainsworth for the final time. Without further ado, are you ready to go, sir? I sure hope so, Shaka. <laughs> 
friends, NBA playoff preview. So, of course, I had to get the other person who yells at me on Twitter as much as anyone <laughs> I know since I do a podcast with the other one. Uh, Jay Johnson, Hardcore Honeys, OG at Belly Up, now off doing her own thing. Jade, how are you doing on this fine Sunday afternoon? I am so excited that you're on the podcast. How are you doing? <laughs> I am excited to be here. It's been a minute. I, you know, I've done some stuff with Parker recently, but I haven't got to talk to Chaka lately. So I'm excited to be here. I'm good. It's summertime in southwestern Ontario, and I'm a bit of a sun worshiper. So and the playoffs are on, <laughs> so life is good. When you say summertime in southwestern Ontario, <laughs> talk to me about the highs, because I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, what, what is the that high mean? temperature okay. there? So for people who don't know, southwestern Ontario is sometimes referred to as the armpits of Ontario, because it gets to like 30 degrees plus humidity. <laughs> it's it's going to be 26 degrees today. So here's the and here's the no thing, here's Jay. what's really funny is you said 26, 26 and 30 and I'm thinking Fahrenheit and like that's literally below freezing. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not what you meant, but that's 100 percent where my you head know went. we are not Celsius in the United States, Jay. Like you, you know you, what I I meant to translate it I forgot like because I do do both <laughs> I grew up very close like I can see Michigan from the end of my driveway that's how close I am to the border. So I can go back and forth, but I forget sometimes who no. I'm talking to. No, no worries. Listen, friends, Google Translate, y'all get your answers. Um, I, I, I am sure 30 degrees Celsius is warm. I just don't know how warm that is. Um, it's 90. It's 90 degrees. Oh, oh, damn. Plus like, humidity. That's legit. Okay. Yeah, it gets hot. It gets hot. Uh, the high in Kentucky will not be 90 degrees. So, okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> It will be higher than that in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to do NBA SATs to talk playoff preview. But I wanted to start just asking you guys about really what I think has probably been, considering we have playoffs going, one of the biggest basketball stories of the weekend with LeBron James and COVID protocols. And is he going to be suspended or is he not going to be suspended? I'm curious as to you guys' takes on this. I don't like it. I thought he should have been suspended. The rules have been clear for what, only a whole year now? And he made the decision and I get that it's the playoffs and I like I get why they didn't. I think he should have been suspended. Okay, Parker, now you know that James <laughs> Harden has had several exceptions made for him. Well, I'm just curious how consistent you're gonna be here. I I thought no, I, I will say first of all that I'm like torn on this, right? Like I'm not all one or all the other because as a fan Watching the first round of the playoffs without LeBron James would be a little weird. Like watching that Lakers team without him is not as fun. I like just selfishly want to watch him play. Um, I also get the equity though, and like they need to be even with these rules across the board, right? Like that LeBron doesn't have to miss any games because he was at a tequila event before the play-in game. It's like, well, frankly, should that invalidate their play-in game, right? Like, should you go back in time and do mess mess with that too? Um, I. I, you know, think there's this interesting level to it now also where, like, you're seeing coaches no longer have to wear masks on the sidelines so they're vaccinated. And there's this kind of, the, you know, loosening up of the rules as, as the year goes on. And LeBron's one of these staunch people that has not been public about his decision on the vaccination at all. Right. And so, like, for all we know, he's sitting there like, yeah, I sat down and, like, was the face of this tequila brand, but I'm good. And for all we know, he wasn't. Like, there, there's just so much ambiguity behind, like, this one aspect of LeBron's life. And... I, at the same time, like I let off with, don't think I'd be watching as enthusiastically the Lakers' sons if he wasn't playing. You know, my take on this is the old take from 
the Dallas Cowboys football coach, Jimmy Johnson, when um, Parker may know this story, Jade, but if you're <laughs> unfamiliar, there was apparently a rookie once upon a time who fell asleep in a meeting during the uh, preseason for the Dallas Cowboys. This was back in like the 90s when the Cowboys were relevant. Um, <laughs> um, and so Jimmy Johnson cut the guy. And so the, the Dallas News later, like this is like 10, 15 years later, asked Jimmy Johnson, hey, if that was Troy Aikman, would you have cut that guy? And Troy Aikman was the star quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And Jimmy Johnson said, no, I probably would have went over to Troy and nudged him so that he would wake up, <laughs> right? And it's the old thing of I'm going to treat everyone fairly, but I may not treat everyone equally. So based on your status, you yes, you might get special treatment. And it's obvious that, if this was, I don't know, Caruso, he might be suspended, but it's not. It's LeBron. And so LeBron, you you may you may make an exception for LeBron. So while <laughs> I I might not like fervently one hundred percent agree with the NBA stance, but I understand. Like it we we had the play in basically the last two years to try to get uh Zion Williamson into the playoffs because he couldn't do it on his own. Right. So we we've already adjusted rules for people. So like we're going to we're we're, we're going to make the exception for LeBron, even if it may not be, you know, equal. It's going to be fair based on who he is. See, I don't think it's fair based on who he is when we're dealing with a pandemic. Like it would be different if it was just, you know, if it wasn't illnesses and people getting sick and, you know, all of that going on, that would be different for me. You know, like someone falling asleep. That doesn't risk anybody's lives. Nobody is at risk of getting sick because somebody fell asleep during, you know, whatever it was. To me, this is different across the board. I felt the same way with Harden. Like, I get that they're stars. I get it. But this is bigger than their stardom. It's bigger than basketball. Let's talk about the play-in. Let's talk NBA SATs. Let's start with a little true-false segment. Our first true-false question for our NBA SATs. Jade, we'll let you go first on this one. True or false, the play-in tournament is good for the NBA. True or false, Jade? I have a really hard time narrowing this down to a simple true or false because I could take, I see both sides and I kind of agree with both sides. For money, for, you know, the business side of the NBA, it's great. I don't think it's good for the game. Oh, I think it's great. Idea. I'm very true on this one. I, listen, I'm torn. I think I'm probably going to go. God, I'm going to go true, I guess. I think. Uh, but <laughs> well, I mean, so here's, you just here's, don't want to agree. Just say it. You don't want to agree with me. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, my my thing is this. Right. So if I, I'm a Knicks fan, you guys with your Raptors and Rockets, you guys are used to a lot more winning, frankly. Right. Like your teams legit haven't needed playing tournaments to make playoffs. Right. The franchise I root for several years could have used this play-in thing, and maybe <laughs> maybe we could have had some playoffs, right? Um, all those years that Carmelo is on the precipice and doesn't get in kind of deal. So, like, I look at this and I say, okay, interest for teams that might be in that 7, 8, 9, 10 range, I do firmly believe this year that – I mean, and maybe it would have been different had there been this transcendent talent at the top of the draft. But I do believe that it stopped teams from tanking because they didn't want to get more ping pong balls. They were like, hey, we kind of could be in this deal. Washington had every incentive to just tank based on the way the season started, based on how Russ started, and they turned around and started playing. 
And I think that the play-in game was as much a reason for that as anything else. Now, the pieces that I struggle with are this idea of if I'm the seventh best team after I played a whole season, I'm the eighth best team after I played a whole season, why do nine and 10 get a shot, right? Like we played the season, we, we have our spots. And so like that part troubles me, but um, I think I'm gonna go true overall. I wish that they would go back to the first round being best of five now though, cause I got a couple mm. more playoff games. Like I don't need the best of seven anymore. There's too I much think... money to ever revert back to less games. I am interested yeah. to hear what Jay doesn't like about it though. Cause I, <laughs> I see all the positives here and I don't really- So yeah, I just like the same thing that Chaga dislikes. And I think with a few, a few additional rules, I could be on board with it. But I don't like the idea that you can be, you know, you can be a seven and you, you've you played all those games, 82 games, assuming we go back to normal next season, you get that seven spot and you can go out to a 10 seed because they have a couple of great games and you have a couple of crappy ones. Like that sucks to play a whole season and have that be reality. If they were to do something like if there's more than five games between eight and nine, we skip the play in, I could be down with that. But I don't like that it could be that big of a spread for, like, what's the point of playing 82 regular season games if you can be that far out in front, potentially, and that could happen. Five games between um, 7 and 10, that's, that could happen. And if that happens, I don't think the 10 seeds should get a chance to get in the playoffs when, you know, the 7 or 8 was that much better. I, I think my biggest thing is that it makes these bottom of the playoff teams like actually have potentially exciting series because we're looking at this year is kind of the different year where you have the LA Lakers the Vegas favorites when healthy all season long and frankly if you were to tell someone in Vegas when they're making their odds that they're going to be healthy the whole playoff system they'll probably again become the favorites right and I think that the Lakers potentially being a title contender in the play-in is the rarity like Boston is not winning it. I hate to break it to Beantown, but Boston's not winning it all this year, right? But they had an exciting Jason Tatum, meaningful 50-point game, right? Like, we get that out of this. Would we have cared at all about Russell Westbrook's triple-double season in the same, or certainly not in the same way, if there was like this, yeah, but they're just going to get boat raced by Philadelphia in the first round, who cares, right? No, they had to like then earn their way into the playoffs on top of that. I think that it adds a lot to those teams, and there's this like tangible goal for a young team like Memphis, like go win the playing tournament, right? Like, like go get yourself in. And there's like, it adds a level of playing field there on top of the idea. Like Shaka said, like he mentioned, he mentioned Washington. The team I saw was Chicago. Chicago absolutely should have tanked, especially because they missed the playing tournament at the end of the season, right? The organization should have said, no, we're folded in. We're going to go draft Evan Mobley to play next to uh, uh, Zach Levine and, and go from there. And instead, they said, we're going to try and play for the play-in, and they went all in and traded for Nikola Vucevic, right? Like, like they made a move to not tank. It wasn't just that they just played harder, right? They also made moves as a franchise, and they didn't make it in, but they were clearly playing for that. I will say that I think Vucevic long-term is going to be better than Mobley, but I think that's a hot take, and let's not derail this too much. Um, <laughs> let's, let's start with our uh, next true-false question. Chris Paul should have made top three for MVP. True or false, Parker? Chris Paul should have made top three for MVP. So, I mostly will say true because I think I disagree with the two the top three are, but it's not it's not as hard as my last one was. So, I'm going to say true, but I, don't, I would have just changed up who the top three were in general. Uh, this is 100% false for me. So, Jade? I have to go true. And I talked about this on Hardcore Unnies a few, a few weeks ago when we discussed this. 
Um, I think in all of the the ways that a player can impact the team, Chris Paul's done it. And their record kind of speaks for themselves. Like, this is a team that missed the playoffs last year, went 8-0 in the bubble. So obviously they were, you know, they were moving in the right direction. But nobody thought they would ever hold the best record in the NBA for a period of time this season. Nobody expected them to be where they are. And I don't think you can argue that they get there without the addition of Chris Paul this year. Which is a fair take. Like, it's, so I will say that, if you go check out the catalog of pieces from Belly Up Sports where Shaka told y'all that Phoenix was going to be good this year, um, <laughs> like, I, I kind of knew that Phoenix, I, I don't think that even, like, objectively, if you'd ask Chris Paul, like, I don't even think he thought they would be a two seed. I But I knew that this was a good team on the come based on the things that you said, Jade, based on the bubble performance, if nothing else, based on the coaching, if nothing else, based on the fact that they have probably two of the, what, top 10 to 15 players under the age of 25 in the NBA. Like, the, it would it made a lot of sense that this was a year that they would jump. And I guess my thing is this. If you're telling me that Chris Paul is top three, you got to remove somebody. I'm not removing Joker because Joker's the MVP to me. I am not removing Embiid, and I'm not removing Steph. And to be honest... Giannis probably needs to get more recognition than Paul does if we're being real about it because Giannis's season is as good, if not better, than his MVP seasons the last two years. Yeah, I, I would just say I think the thing that hurts Giannis is this idea that are we going to hand him three MVPs in a row? And like it's almost like we're holding postseason struggles from the last two years against his regular season award this year, right? Because he clearly had statistically his argue i mean analytically it might not quite be the best but his best season in the last three years and he's got mvp in the other two listen take it personally and do better in the playoffs because i know a dude who wore number 23 back in the day that would have done that so like <laughs> that's i mean that's my thing like it, don't get me wrong i i love Giannis, and he's got to do better in the playoffs then right like i mean yes that is being held against him and frankly mvp fatigue is being held against him when when you win it as many times in a row as he's won it, right? You kind of want to see some new blood. And if you look at the MVP race, you've got a couple of guys in there that are new blood. And my take on Steph Curry is this, because I do think that Steph Curry tends to be the person that folks want to leave out of this discussion. If the play-in tournament is the playoffs, Steph's got to be in, because he led his team to the playoffs. Now, I understand that they ended up not making one of the two seeds, but as long as we consider that a playoff, his team made the playoffs. And that's that's ambiguous on the NBA's behalf, too, because the stats don't count towards playoff stats, but don't count toward regular season stats. So it's clearly the postseason, but not the playoffs, right? Like, that's, like, interesting Ooh. verbal deline delineation there. I I don't know that I count it as the playoffs. And as someone who's not counted as playoffs, I think that that is a knock. I think that you, like, we, we can talk about how many MVPs have had not winning records, not this, not that, but... You've got two that did not have winning records in the entire history of the award. One was on, went on four teams per conference, made the playoffs, right? And that was back in the Kareem days. And then you got Russell Westbrook a few years ago, and he had to average triple-double to do it, right? Like, I, like I, I just I don't know that I'm as high on him. Should he get votes? Yeah, there are a total of five people on most people's ballots, and I get why he'd get a chunk of those, and he's going to get the scoring title. And frankly, I think getting the scoring title and getting to the play, and it's a very good summary of his season. Like, I think that's enough of the summary of his season. I think um, 
I'm going to go back to Giannis first. I think one of the things that is kind of removing him from the conversation, besides the things you guys said, I think there's definitely an MVP fatigue thing kind of going on. But, like, the Bucks also made moves to make the team around him better. And we noticed. I mean, I noticed. So I think that is one of the things that's kind of coming against him. I'm also, like, I have a really hard time with his free throw shooting. Like, if you're the MVP and you're, like, you guys, did you guys watch that game yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you can't miss free throws and then lose your second free throw because you took 14 seconds to shoot and be an MVP. If he had hit either of those shots, they wouldn't have had to play overtime. So, like, I have a hard time with the way that his shooting is inconsistent, especially his free throw shooting. If you're the MVP, you're the guy that bangs down low at the end of games, you have to be able to sink free throws. I've seen Shaq win MVPs and not make free throws. So, like, yeah, I, I guess that, well, for I me. never liked Shaq for that reason either. That was always a pet peeve of mine with Shaq. Like, I mean, listen, you shoot your free throws. We, we can argue whether or not you like Shaq, but I like them rings. <laughs> the NBA SAT question that we have next, we, this is only a question. Because Jay Johnson is on this podcast. True I like or, this question. I'm, Parker, I'm happy you like it. I don't care what you think about it. True or false? True or false, Jay? Messiah Jerry will leave the Raptors after this season. True or false? I'm going false. Partially due to wishful thinking, I am 100% confident, comfortable with admitting it's a lot of wishful thinking. Um... He wants some things. I haven't heard the details of what that is, but I've, I've read reports saying whether he stays or not depends on whether he gets the changes he wants. I think MLSE is too smart not to say, you know what, Masai, you got us to a championship by trading our franchise player and everybody thought you were crazy to draft Pascal Siakam and, and like everything that he's done, you give Masai whatever he wants to stay. Okay, Parker, we'll let you give your take now. <laughs> I I wonder if the thing he wants is Fahrenheit. I say true. I'm sorry, I was not ready for the temperature <laughs> joke. I was so uh, I was literally mouthful of water, about to spit it on my microphone. You you gotta warn somebody for you just crack one of those off. Um, I, no, I I so we'll talk about where that would be in a second. I will say that. It would be because I, he strikes me as a guy that wants new challenges, and he's done the thing in Toronto. It's kind of time to restart there. And while that is a challenge, that's not unlike what he walked into. A new challenge would be with a new group of people, right? And and a new organization and a new set of circumstances with markets and those kind of things. I, I, I just see that. And I have a place in mind, but I'd be interested to hear Chaka's take as well. And then I also i am sure I've upset Jade already, so I want to hear <laughs> I'm not, no, no, I'm not upset. I'm just saying, like, the idea that a new challenge is a new team, I think that's small beans for Masai. I think that's a lateral move. And if you're saying he wants something bigger, better, we're talking about African League. We're talking about, you know, being in line to be commissioner. To me, that's that's new. He's been there, done that, and arguably the hardest market to do it in the NBA as the red-headed stepchild of the NBA that none of you, you know, a lot of mainstream people across the board don't want to talk about. I think <laughs> in terms of the idea of what's a new challenge, I don't think just taking on a new team is a new challenge for him at this point. It makes too much sense for Masaya Jerry to stay with the Raptors. So uh, I think it's false. He's not leaving. He, he wants things in Toronto. I guarantee you they could give him millions of reasons to want to stay. Like, right, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, there's some things that he might want, and there's some things that the Raptors will very likely be able to overcome. 
if they can't get him everything that he wants. Like, what this reminds me of, and Parker, this will hit you right in all the fields. The talk a few years back about what the University of Texas is willing to do to get Nick Saban to come coach their football team. <laughs> yes, like, yeah, oh, yeah. we'll give him part ownership of the of the Longhorn Network. What does that even mean? That doesn't even mean anything. Like, you, yeah. you could say crazy stuff. And there's a reality as to how these things are structured. There's, I don't believe that there's any NBA franchise who so thinks that Masai Ujiri is the missing piece that an owner is going to say, yeah, I'm going to give him 1% ownership. Like, that, I don't, that's not, I don't believe that reports like that are real. Here's what I believe is real. Masai Ujiri has his ring. Masai Ujiri will go into the NBA Hall of Fame as an executive. And if he's looking for a challenge, rebuilding this program in Toronto from one that now Kyle Lowry needs to be phased out. Pascal Siakam needs to be the centerpiece. You have Nick Nurse, who, like, we just casually forget is going to be, what, in his third year as head coach of this team? Like, we there's there's enough here in terms of challenge. And I do think that Jade was on to something in that if Masai builds – the right connections, which I I assume that he has already. There's opportunities with NBA Africa. There's opportunities in the front office of the league. He lives in Toronto, which is an incredible global city for a person who is an incredibly cosmopolitan person. Doesn't seem like he's going to be leaving Toronto. Feels like it's just too perfect a fit. Parker maybe wants to pull him well, into Houston. I don't know. I don't no, know. No, no, no. Well, I. And for, I mean, obviously, he he's an upgrade for you know what twenty seven, twenty eight franchises at the very least, right? Like, like so obviously, I would take him to Houston. I just I like the I like the idea Stone's done of the job Stone's done so far. I I see it as like you're saying though, this doesn't say he will be an NBA GM for another team next year. That says we'll leave the Raptors, and I do think that those other challenges, whether it's an expansion franchise in a different role, whether it's going to Basketball Africa League, whether it's going to Europe, where like. I see him being bigger than just this. And I also see him, you talk about the international influence, if it, the question were to say work for another NBA franchise, uh, if Dallas and Luka choke in the first round, they need to show something to this European kid that they can you know, appeal to the European affect of the team and, and keep guys around and like we're moving the right direction. I just I see there being so many other options, and it's like, well, then if, if it's just about dollars and cents, why hadn't they gotten this contract figured out, right? Like, I, that's where I sit on the whole thing, and I think that just opens up a lot of doors. Yeah, it hasn't been figured out because I have leverage. Like, I'm gonna use my leverage. Like, that's I mean, don't Masai is gonna be the highest paid executive in all likelihood once this thing does get figured out. And for the record, even if we do lose Masai, Bobby Webster was his first hire. He's next in line for the job. I'm not. I'm not super concerned. I think he's gonna do things his own way. But he grew up in NBA front office under Masai Jury's school of doing things. So worst case scenario, like I don't think he's going anywhere. I really, really don't. Um, but if he does, we're not terribly concerned about it. I, I don't mean that to say that like you should be super concerned. I, I will say he's a, he's going to be impossible to place in some sense because he's just so good at his job, right? But like it's not that there's no one good there to work behind him. I remember rooting for the Knicks in the 90s and not being so concerned when Pat Riley left. You, 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 you should probably be a little concerned. Um, <laughs> um. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. 
What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big dudes in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beer that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of beer teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that main. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make bombs, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your bombs, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Let's jump into the multiple choice segment of our NBA SATs. And now this is where we'll get into the real playoff preview. So, Our first multiple choice question. Parker, how about you take this one first? The Eastern Conference champion will be A, Philly, B, Brooklyn, C, Milwaukee, D, the Knicks, or E, someone else. And just to give everyone a little peek behind the curtain, (laughs) I legit wrote on this Google Doc, yeah, I can't believe I'm writing the Knicks either. So so I am curious as to your take, Parker. Who do you think is coming out of the East? You know, if I were a gambling man, and I am not because I live in Texas, and that's not what we're supposed to do here. I would say <laughs> see Milwaukee as much as it pains me. I'd say see Milwaukee. That is nuts. Okay, Jade, let's bring some uh, let's bring some rationality back to this podcast. Yes, Who's coming I out of the East? That is nuts, Brooklyn. Okay, thank you. Okay, as long as we're on the same page, uh, of course, Brooklyn. Hold on. So and for you- the record, Brooklyn has my three least favorite players, maybe of all time. Um, and I'm still saying Brooklyn. Uh, well, I mean, listen, they got they got two guys that I'm not really high on either. I so here's the thing, right now the the hot take on this podcast is Parker not going with Harden. So please, well, Parker, elaborate. So obviously, first of all, I answered this question because you said who they who it will be, not who I'd like it to be. I have all the reason in the world to want it to be Brooklyn, right? And so as I sit here with a James Harden bobblehead behind me and a red jersey of his that he no longer wears in the closet in the other room, I. <laughs> completely understand why like that was like the hot take of sorts but it would say will be again the play we're recording on a sunday so the playoff game on saturday was what the like ninth game together at the trio sorry parker I, like, I have to interrupt you quick someone's at my door i'm just gonna mute it and jump on i'll be right back oh <laughs> got Thanks. it anyway i just i feel like as much as i'd like to see that happen and i think weirdly there's this validation i've written about several times in different angles that houston would feel if James Harden and Brooklyn won, right? Because it'd be like, if he plays well, it's like, see, it could have worked. It just didn't here because of this, that, and the other. These the extraneous things become much more relevant in the conversation of the last eight years, right? I've only seen them play together like nine times. And I understand how it works conceptually. I'm not a guy that thinks that's too much ISO ball. I just have seen Milwaukee this year do this experimenting of sorts that they hadn't done the previous two years in the regular season where they're rolling out small ball lineups with a newly acquired P.J. Tucker as a corner three guy. They're rolling out big lineups and playing Giannis at a three and playing Brooke and playing Bobby Portis. And that's like massive, right? Like they're doing different things. They're playing drop here. They're playing level there. Like 
different things across the board in games that I didn't see them experimenting with in the previous two seasons that make me think they're ready to make a jump. I also weirdly think that of the top three, this matchup with with Miami is an awful matchup for them, right? Like that's that could be honestly one of their biggest hurdles. Yeah, I, and so, sorry guys, I'm back for a second. My cat escaped last night. My neighbor found it, so I'm gonna try and get her out of a tree. If I can't do it in a few minutes, I'll come right back. <laughs> okay, uh, good luck. I'm really sorry. No, no worries. <laughs> Incidentally, that might not be edited out of the podcast. So. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, I will be back as soon as I can. Awesome. Okay. okay. Um, like legit might be keeping that. <laughs> uh, so uh, Parker, my my take on Milwaukee is this, right? Like what I would need to see from the Bucks, I would need to see them do something that makes me think they could take out Brooklyn. Like if we're talking matchups, Brooklyn's an awful matchup for everybody. Brooklyn with the three guys who they got. It doesn't feel like Milwaukee is necessarily set up to deal with them because what we know about Brooklyn is we saw it in game one. Those three guys could go for 80 points. And now all of a sudden, this is a 120 point game. And is Milwaukee set up to beat a team that can score like that? Now, what we would say about Milwaukee is that defensively, they may not allow a team to score like that. And what I would say is you are legit dealing with with, what, two of the three best scoring individual players in the league? Like, and if that not, might be conservative. Right. Like, if that might be conservative. Time, yeah. You know what I mean? And so, I don't I don't know. And I, I'll throw this out, too. Like, I understand that we haven't seen that big three in Brooklyn play together a ton. We haven't seen Milwaukee figure all this out either. Drew Holiday's in and out of that lineup, and he's supposed to be the key defensive piece, right? Because when they play, that's the dude who's going to go take the high hand in the backcourt regardless of who it is, whether it's Harden or Kyrie, right? He's going to be the dude who has to go do that on the perimeter. And we know that availability has been an issue for him as much as anything else. Yeah, so, I mean, basketball reference has him down for 56 games this year, which is not, I mean, they played 72, right? So it is missing roughly a third. I'm not great at math, almost a third. I'm not great at math. I just feel like, you know, you, you've got a Drew Holiday body to throw out one of those big three. You've got a Chris Middleton body to throw out one of those big three. You've got a Giannis body to throw out one of those big three. You've got the P.J. Tucker body to throw out one of those big three. You've got Brooke Lopez sit down low. Like, they got lots of options that I think That's adds cool. versatility. You think that Brooklyn does, you think Brooklyn is worried about Middleton? You think Brooklyn's worried about Brooke Lopez? Like, for real? Like, you think Brooklyn's worried about P.J. Tucker? Like, for real? From a defensive standpoint. Like, the guys who Brooklyn's, Brooklyn might be worried about Budenholzer and the defensive structure that Milwaukee provides. Brooklyn, as individual defenders, must consider Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And they got three guys. And I'm sorry, none of the options that you just threw out, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm going to be worried about. Because, what I mean, where are those guys going to be? It can't. You know Brooke Lopez isn't playing on Harden, so that means that Lopez must somehow now deal with Durant? What? That dude, we're going to take him right out on the perimeter, right? So, like, oh the, no, it, that's for Claxon or Blake or whoever they put at the center spot. I guess they started Blake yesterday. Uh, I, I think you're dismissing that. I mean, Middleton was a 22 points per game kind of guy this year. Like, I, I think that's. I'm dismissing his defense. Quick. I'm dismissing his defense. I'm not dismissing his offense. I guess what I'm dismissing from Milwaukee overall is this idea that somehow 
when you look at Brooklyn and Milwaukee, you're saying Milwaukee could keep up point for point. And now maybe you're not saying that like wholly, but it feels like there's an insinuation there. And I don't think there's anyone in the NBA, maybe, maybe Phoenix, if Phoenix got stupid hot, Golden State, maybe. Like, it has to, like, you would need somebody to just go nuts to keep up with Brooklyn's scoring capability. It feels like Brooklyn's going to come into these playoffs, and then we, what we know about the playoffs is defense will all of a sudden show up, and teams that used to score can't score now because they get again they get in against these solid defensive teams. Brooklyn feels like they're going to blow all this up. Brooklyn feels like they're going to score 115 points per game in these playoffs. Like That's what they feel like to me based on their offensive capacity and having those three guys. They're just they're too electric as playmakers, in my opinion. I, no, I just – when the questions – and again, I, there are plenty of reasons I sit here and want that to happen for Brooklyn. Uh, you know, Durant is a Texas guy, and – James Harden is this rocket, you know, icon. And, and like, I totally get like the design, like I have desire to see that happen. I just logically look at it and like, well, I just, I have, if I'm going to be a betting man here, I need to bet on something I've seen. Like, I just, I can't do that. What you've seen Kevin Durant win rings. You've seen Kyrie Irving win rings, right? So like if we're betting on something we have seen, like if that is your logic, I haven't seen Giannis lead his team out of the conference. So now I, I I should bet on Irving, who's been on Eastern Conference Championship teams. I should bet on Durant, who for the last two franchises he's played for has led his teams to NBA Finals. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, Milwaukee, I'm not betting on the clutch gene in Milwaukee, I guess. Milwaukee's got to prove it to me. So my pick for Eastern Conference, there's things about each of these teams that inform my decision i'm doing a bracket with my boyfriend i took the heat in the bucks heat series because milwaukee <laughs> has a playoff coaching problem Budenholzer, i like i've said it again i'll say it over and over again he is not a playoff coach i watched that game yesterday yes milwaukee won but i still felt really good about my pick because bam had a crappy game jimmy had a crappy game they only beat them by two and they needed overtime to do it What's interesting, too, is, like, if we remember, Parker, back to your takes when Milwaukee played Miami last year, wasn't that a part of your deal? Was that Bam did yeah, such a good job um, against Giannis? And, and, Giannis again, well. this year, the numbers this year, Bam is one, um, I believe he was first in one-on-one -on -one coverage of Giannis, and he's held them to the least points in the regular season. Like, in the East, I think Bam is a better matchup even than Embiid because he's more, I think he's more mobile. And we have not talked enough about the Knicks during this particular segment. So um, <laughs> as, <laughs> as the lone Knicks fan that you might know. Um, yeah, I, one of I, two. I, You're I, one I, of two. <laughs> let me say this. Can I say this about the Knicks? The matchup with Atlanta is one, especially because they have home court advantage, is one that I think that they could do well in. I also do think the Knicks can give Philly trouble. Because Philly, it's not easy for them to score. And the Knicks' defense is solid. This, this is going to go, I mean, listen, it's going to go one of two ways. But such is the nature of these things, right? It always go kind of one of two ways. I, I could see the Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals getting beat by Brooklyn. I could also see the Knicks, you know, Trey Young goes nuts and somehow we can't contain him. And guys are just tired in that first round series. I could see them losing in six games. Um, if I were to bet the Knicks... I would bet they beat Atlanta and take Philly to six, seven games. And 
and get a semblance of respectability that they haven't had in over a decade. I my problem with the Knicks Hawks series is that I, I saw the Knicks play this season. I didn't see the Hawks play a whole lot. Um, so I'm having a hard time pulling together the bits of information I have. I will say based on what I have seen of the Knicks, I can see them getting out of the first round this year. I think that matchup honestly was 50. Like when I was doing my bracket with my boyfriend, it was one of the last ones I picked because I'm not sure how it's going to go. I took the Knicks. I think he took hey. the Hawks. Oh, boo. Um, but... <laughs> I like honestly 50 50. I have no idea how that's going to go. So, the idea that the Knicks get out of the first round, I think, is completely plausible. I don't trust Philly. I don't believe Philly. I know Embiid's had a great year. I just, I, it's an, it's more of an instinct thing than a quantifiable thing. And a, a lot of my basketball takes come from instinct, and sometimes they're right. Um, there's something that there's something that team needs. If, if they get, if they sign Kyle Lowry in free agency, Next season, I think they look very, very differently. And I think that would be kind of a fun place for Kyle to go. But anyways, I digress. As they are built right now, I don't think they have the person that can even the team out through the playoff ups and downs to get them there. I don't think Ben Simmons is emotionally engaged enough. And I don't think Embiid is controlled enough. That's interesting. I think I could buy the Ben Simmons take, by the way, just based on being an SEC basketball fan and remembering him at LSU. <laughs> like, no, legit, he checks out. He checked out in multiple games. Then LSU, and don't get me wrong, I understand, but then he checked out on LSU when LSU was going to play in the NIT. So, like, this whole idea of the emotional connection to basketball, like, at any given moment, he can check out. And it's like, well, what do you do when you're seven foot point guard who's this dynamic talent who can legit change the way that a game goes? Like, what do you do when he checks out? You can't, there's no one else who you can bring in to say, hey, do everything that Ben Simmons can do. Like, you need him to be maybe more engaged than he's kind of exhibited consistently that he can be, um, which is a very interesting take because I don't know that I've heard anyone say that before. And it's so crystallized for me kind of what I believe about Ben Simmons. I've said to Parker multiple times that it's never going to work with Embiid and Simmons. You have Same. to get rid of one of them. I've been saying, I've had Philly fans ripping me for that take for years. I think my biggest take on it is I understand why Doc and Maury got there this year and said, let's just see what we can do with this clay and mold it how we can. And then we, this is a long-term project, potentially. Both young guys, right? And we'll we'll mess mess with it later. Let's just put some shooting around and see what happens. I get why they didn't make adjustments last offseason was my biggest take on them. I guess they also like Dowmore did get there and say, "Hey, let me mess with this clay." But then when Harden was available, was like, "Hey, baby, let's we can bring we can bring that clay well, in too." So just unless I mean, unless you're Pat like... Riley and it's Tyler Hero, I, there are a lot of guys. Exactly. Who <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's talk Western Conference. Which it's funny we talked so much about the East. I honestly think the West is a lot more interesting. So the question, and Jade, we'll throw it to you first. Uh, the Western Conference champion will be A, the Lakers, B, the Clippers, C, the Jazz, D, the Suns, or E, someone else. Give us your take, Jade. So this is another complicated one for me. Um, uh, and I'll go back to our bracket because that's kind of how I'm seeing the playoffs <laughs> is, is my bracket with my boyfriend. And I, I got 
four right in the plan and he only got two. So I have a little bit of cushion. I decided I wanted to make a really gutsy pick in the first round that I might be able to make up the points later if it's really bad. So I took the Suns. Ooh. <laughs> and I don't honestly think the Suns are going to win, but I wanted to be like, you know what? I had the guts to pick them. And I, I wanted to take one pick that was like, probably not going to happen, but if it did. Um, I like how Jade picks though. No, I mean, listen, if you're trying to win the bracket, that's cool. Exactly. If you're trying to, if you're trying to do this strategy. legit, like, I'm just kidding. Like, who would you, who do you have coming out of the West that, and I guess maybe I want to ask two questions, Jade. Who do you have coming out of the West on that bracket? And, like, legit, who do you think is coming out of the West? I, I'm having a hard time with the West. Like, the East for me is is clear. Um, I see less West Coast games because I'm... 36 and I can't stay up till one o'clock anymore. <laughs> anymore. Um, so I don't, I haven't seen as many of the games. I think I'm going to pick the Clippers. I think they have quietly done better than I expected this season. And I think the quiet part is the key part. There was too much drama last season, too much settling in and I always say that about new units, new teams coming together. Like the Clippers weren't making the finals last year because they were they were a new unit. They had things to figure out. Like that never happens. If it happens with the Nets this year, it would be an anomaly. But that's just like talent, pure talent. I think that amount of talent all together with playoff experience, with finals experience is going to be hard for the teams in the East as they are composed right now to beat if it was a team where if it was a year where there was an established kind of dynasty in the eastern conference i'd be more worried about brooklyn in the west it's so open this year um and i'm not confident in my pick at all (laughs) i am not confident but i'm gonna pick the clippers i think that they've they've gotten over some of their growing pains and I think the fact that there's so little expectation on them right now plays in their favor. If everybody's healthy, it's the Lakers. So here's what I'm going to assume. I'm going to assume everybody's going to be healthy, and I'm going to take the Lakers. I'm going to ride with LeBron until I see someone beat LeBron. That's what I'm going to do. Because every year the last decade, if I've done that, I've been right. That's yeah. funny because... My boyfriend and I were talking about that. He's like, when has LeBron ever gone out of the playoffs in the first round? And so we looked it up, and it hasn't happened. I said, but he missed the playoffs, 18-19. So if he can miss the playoffs, he can go out in the first round. Well, and that's fair. I will say that 18-19 gets at the caveat that I put on this thing right at the beginning, which is if everybody's healthy, (laughs) right? Because that was the deal. 18-19, he's not healthy. And don't get me wrong, that Lakers team – very likely would not have done much had they made a run into the playoffs. That being said, that Lakers team wasn't bad until LeBron got injured around Christmas time and then everything started really going downhill. I think if we remember back, that team had they a pretty were, decent record, right? They were, they were, it was like in January and they were like the fourth seed in the West. And then when he started to try to come back, they were out of the playoff picture, they'd fallen out of it. And, like, he played a week and was like, I'm not 100%. This team's not very good. And just took off the rest of the year, right? That's the thing for me right now. He's not 100%. And he knows it. He's not and... 100%, but he has maybe the best player that he's ever played with in Anthony Davis to maybe make up 
But Anthony Davis has a bit of that Ben Simmons thing, I think, going on where he does not, he can't dominate a game if, if LeBron goes out. Yeah, but he's a Kentucky Wildcat. So we're going back to SEC days. Shaka won't well, care. Well, let, let me say this. Like, legit, <laughs> I was going to go there. Like, not even, <laughs> I, I have seen, I have seen, and let me say even beyond Kentucky because I have seen Anthony Davis lock in and lead a team to a championship because I'm a Kentucky Wildcat alumni fan donor. Um, <laughs> and I also remember Anthony Davis taking some really trash New Orleans teams into an eight seed and giving a one seed everything that they wanted. What is, but it's only him. It's him by himself, basically, scoring 40 points. Like, um, let's go back to when Rondo... Cousins and Davis were all playing on that New Orleans team. And they won a playoff series. Like Anthony Davis has had opportunities to lead and has done well. And my experience with him is he's not Ben Simmons. He's 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 been able to lock in and have had better performances in bigger games and hasn't had this check out. The deal with Davis is health. It, and that's the scary thing about the Lakers because I'll keep coming back to this caveat. If everyone's healthy, the Lakers are winning the championship. I firmly believe that. Davis has missed time this year. LeBron has missed time this year. Davis traditionally is not always available. And LeBron is 157 years old. So when these guys start breaking down, you have to be worried. Even as defending champions, you have to be scared. And there's no one in the West who I look at and I say, they're just taking out the Lakers, right? The Lakers have to be not healthy to lose to one of these teams. The Lakers will beat Phoenix as long as they're healthy. They will beat Utah as long as they're healthy. They'll beat Denver as long as they're healthy. They'll beat what's, the Clippers as long as they're healthy. What's interesting about the West is it's like, is there a like possible upset in the West? Like, Would it actually be an upset if the first or second seed won the West? And I think we all settle on like, if Utah wins the West, it kind of is, but it's also the one seed. Like, how is that mathematically an upset? Uh, I also would hedge Lakers here because I'm in the same boat about health. Um, I I will say that winning as a seven seed means you've got to beat the second seed Suns, right? Right off the bat. And then you'll turn around and have to play the, what's the likely, you'll probably have to play the three seed which means you get Denver, right? So the, we just talked about the MVP, right? Like, so you have to beat Denver with they get home court advantage in mile high, and they have the MVP. And then your victory lap for that is you got to play, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You got to play Utah and Rudy and all that those three point shooters they put around him. And like, like what you know, this is a really difficult path for them. And I know that they're they're big on building up their own drama in LA. But when they say it's like as tough a path as they've seen to a, a finals. That's because it's the seven seed. The seven seed doesn't ever have a path to finals. <laughs> let me say this, and uh, Jade, I'll let you jump in. If I would have told you before the season started that the Lakers' path to the NBA Finals meant they beat Phoenix in the first round, Denver in the second round, the Clippers in the conference finals, anybody questioning that the Lakers could have done that? Like, the only thing that's scaring us now is that we've had this lived experience of the Lakers not being healthy. Therefore, there are numbers in terms of seeds, right? But if I would have told you the Lakers are going to beat Phoenix in the first round, beat Denver in the second round, beat the Clippers in the third round. You'd have been like, yeah, okay, I guess the Suns make the playoffs this year as an eight seed. Denver's a four seed. The Clippers are probably the two seed, and the Lakers are the one. And we, would, we wouldn't second guess it at all, 
right? If I just said those teams just flat out like that? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, that makes perfect sense. You you don't, you know, people don't expect the Lakers to be a seven seed. I'm at the place where I, like, I, LeBron James and I are about the same age, so, like, I'm... So what I'm, I'm hearing really, is you can get a triple-double in a play-in game. I'm not saying that. She might be I'm saying she might be saying Shaka just called LeBron 157 years old. I'm about to come to his house. That might be what she's saying. Um, I've always thought LeBron was going to be one of those guys who was great until he wasn't. And, you know, just because the way he's taken care of his body, the way that he's managed himself through his career, I've always thought he's going to be one of those guys that all of a sudden he's just not going to be LeBron anymore. And it's coming. I, I, I think he, he's on the down, you know, at the top, but on the downside of his prime now. And I think there's a passing of the torch coming. And if it's not this season, I think it'll be next. Are we giving the Clippers too much credit? I mean, we just saw what Luka did to them dudes, right? And Luka's done it to them before. Like in the last, don't get me wrong, they lost the series last year, but it wasn't because Luka. Luka wasn't the reason that Dallas lost to the Clippers last year. So now we watch game one. We see Luka do some stuff to them again, right? And, I, I mean, we, we know what playoff P is. So, like... So, my fun thing on the Clippers is if Luka does it to them again and Porzingis is healthy and they win, right? I'm assuming that's what you allude to with, like, what was different about this year and last year. Um, do you blow it up? Like, Kawhi's going to a third year. Like, he's got a player option. He could leave. Like, like honestly, like, if, if, if things go poorly, Kawhi doesn't have to be on the books next year. I know a team north of the border that'd be more than happy to find a way to get Kawhi back. Jay, am, I, <laughs> am I wrong? We will take him in a heartbeat. We're not the same team. We're not as ready as we were when we had him for the championship. But, like, yeah, come on home, Kawhi. You should <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying with the Clippers thing that's fascinating to me is that, like, there's a very real world where, like, the Clippers, as we know it, are done in two weeks. Just, just, And I don't mean, like, done in the playoffs. I mean, like, that's Rondo's old. He's gone. Ty Lue was this, you know, one-year guy to fill in off the bench, and it didn't work out. He's gone. You've got Kawhi Leonard saying, I had a player option. I'm taking somewhere else. And he, you know, he, I don't know where he'd head out to, but, like, this whole thing, the only guy that's, like, of consequence and on the books next year is Paul George, right? And, like, who's that's probably just the he's, one guy who they don't want to be on well, the books for next year, like, who's of say, consequence. From a, from like a locker room perspective, there was all that stuff in the bubble about like the dudes were tired of him getting preferential treatment because what have you done? Like that could be that could be its own deciding factor. Like I I, I think the Clippers are fascinating in that sense because if Luca were to do it to him this year and have enough help around him, that really could kill the team in the same way that we saw Damian Lillard wave bye bye to the Thunder and that blew up that team, right? Like this could wave bye bye to the the Clippers. I'm legit imagining Lou Williams in the bubble last year being like, "What has Paul George done? I got chicken wings named after me. What has this man done?" Like in this whole career. Let's go to the fill in the blank, and the fill in the blank segment. The first question: the NBA champion will be blank. And here's, here's what I get the sense of. I get the sense you, and maybe this is the only sense you could get because I didn't realize how diametric this must be. Um, you either legit know exactly who it's going to be or you have no earthly idea who it's going to be. Um, I, I, I am picking the Brooklyn Nets to win the championship. And this is in part because I think that LeBron and Anthony Davis will be healthy all the way through the Western Conference, but will break down for the finals. So I'm picking the Brooklyn Nets. Jade, fill in the blank. The NBA champion will be 
the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> that had to hurt her heart. <laughs> it really did. Like I'm like I'm saying I'm saying this. I believe it. I hate that I'm saying it and that I believe it. Parker, Harden gets his ring according to us. Um, the NBA <laughs> champion will be. I'm a Lakers person. Um, obviously, again, if you're asking what I think will happen versus what I want to happen, those are two different things. But I, I think it's the Lakers year. Yeah, you didn't even have Brooklyn. You have Milwaukee playing L.A., so you would have the Lakers beating Milwaukee. If I'm a, again, if I'm a gambler, I want Harden to win it. And I'd frankly love for him to have a triple double in the series and take the MVP and say bleep you guys. But that, like, if you're saying <laughs> what I think will happen is, I, I think it's the Lakers year. No, listen, he's going to go to a club before a game, come back, and have the triple double. That's not, like, we know that's <laughs> happening if they make the finals. That's not a problem. Um, and so, Jade, it looks like both you and I have Brooklyn in the championship beating L.A. You just have them beating the Clippers, and I have them beating the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Talk, to, <laughs> <laughs> talk to me about what that matchup looks like to you. Because you legit, more than any of us, have seen Kawhi take a team that may be people didn't necessarily believe in, get them to the finals, turn everything around the playoffs, and win that ring. So mm-hmm. I'm curious how you think that won't happen in L.A. Like, what is it about the Clippers, or maybe what is it about the Nets that you really look at, and you're well, like, they're going to beat Kawhi? Oddly enough, it's it's the things that the people leave out of that conversation about that Raptors team. The fact that their core guys had been there for years, and they added a piece. They were ready. They were, they were legitimately a piece away when they added Kawhi Leonard. And not a lot of teams get that opportunity to be a piece away and have the piece become available and get them and go. So I think that's part of it. Um, the, other, the other thing is the Nets. Like, those three guys are forces of nature individually on their, in their own rights. And now they're all together. They're happy to be together. And just the talent level. I don't think the Clippers have the guns that Brooklyn has. The only team that I think could go in an arms race and deal with Brooklyn is the Lakers. And that's because Anthony Davis and LeBron James are so dynamic. And we just forget like how Kuzma can play, but he can play. Now, he's not of the level of the top five guys in that series. And the subtle like big winner in the playing game was the Caruso defense was incredible. I mean, like, like, like he, he, he really, it really he's was not solid. always that guy, but he can be that guy. And he was at an important moment. And you could maybe look at him and say, Hey, listen, this is what we need from you. This whole series. You don't have to score a point. We just need you to go out there and be as much of a pest as you can possibly be on the perimeter. Cause LeBron can take one of them, but he can't take both of them. So you have to go out there, and, and LeBron very likely ends up in the Harden matchup, I would imagine. I don't think that you want LeBron long-term trying to deal with Kyrie with a bad ankle. It's not like it's going to be any better dealing with Harden with a bad ankle. But um, you, you, you feel like you probably need Caruso to go do something to Kyrie, right? I think, uh, I think Schroeder is low-key the next most important performance after AD and LeBron for the Lakers both in this series and like for their next couple of years. I think that was a good pickup. You know, you know, LeBron picked him. You know, they didn't bring in somebody that LeBron didn't want there. And he's played really well. He's taking steps. Um, So I think if he is able to continue to do that through the playoffs, that's going to be a factor in how well they do or don't do. 
You know, speaking of someone who needs to show up in the playoffs, and if they do, all of a sudden the Lakers look different, let Andre Drummond, like, kind of get going. And I'm not saying that he has to be Detroit Pistons 20-10 and 10 Andre Drummond, but if he's consistently giving you 15 points and controlling the boards, which he can control the boards. The boards aren't going to be a problem if he decides. If he decides, I'm getting 20 rebounds a game in these playoffs, like, legit, he can do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, if he's consistently giving you 14, 15, 16 points, like that's Brooklyn's going to have a very, like the same way that the it's, guns for Brooklyn on the perimeter are tough for anyone to deal with because the rent can take you out there. If the Lakers decide, well, we're just going to beat you up inside. Davis, Drummond, LeBron, they've got no answer. And the difficulty there for Brooklyn is, is if it's in a final series between those two, it becomes which team gets to dictate who's on the floor. Because if Drummond is dictating, you've got to play DeAndre or you've got to play a, you know, a bigger lineup than your typical. Because like Claxton's too thin. Like he he's a great rim roller. He's a great young guy, but he'll get tossed around by Andre Drummond, right? In a way that other people won't. But if the move is actually that Drummond has to go out to perimeter and play the pick and roll with Harden Durant, it's like ooh. That might dictate it the other way, right? So that that becomes a chess match of sorts to see who's winning that matchup and who gets to dictate the lineup on the floor the most. What I got to say, though, in tagging in here is clearly Houston should have played in black and white jerseys and in a different name center for a long time because I've heard y'all call Harden a guy that LeBron can't guard. I've heard y'all talk about him <laughs> as this part of the arms race and someone that's like a tremendous one. Like, man, where was all the respect the last eight years? Oh, <laughs> want to know where it was? I'll tell you exactly where it was. I've been saying all along that Harden needs to change the way he plays. And now he's done it in Brooklyn. And if you want to argue that he didn't trust his teammates, fine. That's a legitimate argument. But the fact remains, until he changed the way that he played, he was not going to be relevant in the finals conversation. And I want you to pull the receipts, Parker, where I was dogging Harden. Because <laughs> I feel like I I feel like what the, the conversation that I always have with you, Parker, about Harden is... I, I do think that I can look at him in a way that you're incapable of because you're in the forest, because you love him so much. Like, he's your dude, right? The same way that people... I'm in the forest on Patrick Ewing in a way that when people try to tell me that David Robinson was better than Patrick Ewing, I want to fight you. You didn't watch Ooh. them games. David Robinson wasn't better than Patrick Ewing. He wasn't. So um, when we... When, when you have that guy, it's hard, right? And what I've always consistently said about Harden is, in order for him to be looked at the way that I believe he deserves to be looked at, he's got to win a ring. He has to do it. Because every other player that's in the conversation that I want Harden to be in has multiples. He's got none. And we can talk about Chris Paul's hamstring all we want. Like, nobody's going to look back in 30 years and be like, oh, man, yeah, game, you know, they probably had Golden State. And if they had to beat Golden State, the only ones that be doing that are Houston fans. He's got to win. And I do think that that whole thing shapes differently if he wins in Brooklyn. Again, I said this earlier, but I think winning in Brooklyn and him playing well has to go alongside that, right? But if they were to win in Brooklyn, that would certainly make it feel like those what-ifs feel even stronger because then it's like as we look back, oh, maybe he really could have, right? Like, there's this weird feeling around that 2018 team. It's like, well, even if Chris Paul's hamstring used to, like, there was just the Western Conference. Like, yeah, but they, they were waxing Cleveland for the previous three years. Like, that that was not, that that was the finals. That, that that Golden State team 
swept the Cleveland team, right? Like that was that what the Western Conference Finals played out like that. I I always hold back on the passing the ball thing because he led the assists. He's led the league in assists several times. Been over ten a couple times. Uh, that's that's not here or there. I just I think that it's funny, and a lot of us in Houston who are looking frankly towards Cade Cunningham are, are sitting around <laughs> laughing because we need something to laugh at the whole time. No, I, as a Knicks fan, I know that this time of year, sometimes your team don't make the playoffs. You need something to laugh at. So don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not too far away. I'm not too far removed um, from those conversations. I, I you one thing that I wanted to just kind of throw out when it comes to not just Harden, but Durant and Irving as well. This, if Brooklyn wins this championship, this feels redemptive for all them guys because Durant's rings, there are people that just won't ever count them, right? Like he, he leaves the team that Golden State had to come back 3-1 to beat and then he joins them. Um, if you look at Kyrie, he was never the dude in Cleveland, right? He was always going to be Robin to LeBron's Batman, regardless of what three-point shot he hit against Golden State. And what he what when he went to Boston, and the fact that they were conference finalists without him, then he comes in and they can never replicate that. And when you look at what's happened with Harden in terms of the lack of playoff success, whether it's a bad game seven against San Antonio, whether it's you know the Dwight Howard drama, whether it's Chris Paul and that hamstring, Brooklyn championship feels redemptive for them three. Like for those three guys, it feels like they need this to happen so that their careers can be validated in a way that fans of theirs believe the career should be validated. Can I throw one more in there? Please. And I know he's not the same guy, but man, I'd love to see Blake get one. Like, yeah. like, like, again, yeah. we talk about like things I want versus things, things I want versus things I think will happen has been kind of a theme of this podcast. But like, uh-huh. I've enjoyed watching Blake for not saying he's this great person or anything like that. I've enjoyed watching Blake Griffin play basketball for a decade now. And, and like, it would be cool to see a guy that signs the big LA contract and then gets traded to Detroit. What's always struck me is this like argument for player autonomy because he signed for a big deal in LA and then did not get to do all those things in LA and got shipped off to a rebuilding project in Detroit, right? And like to see him get to live out a post late end of his career, whatever, and like do something that he wanted to do in Los Angeles. He signed on to do in Los Angeles would be like I think that's a cool storyline as well in this. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Blake Griffin moving to the Nets really complicated my feelings about the Nets. Like, <laughs> a lot. Because I've always liked Blake. I've always enjoyed Blake Griffin as well. So now it's like, Blake Griffin could get a ring. But in order for Blake Griffin to get a ring here, <laughs> all these guys also have to get a ring. Does it weigh out? And I think it does. I think I like him enough that I can dismiss the other guys and be like, yeah, whatever, Blake Griffin got a ring, I'm excited for that. <laughs> what what most folks don't know is that Jay Johnson's first basketball love was actually the Detroit Pistons. And so Blake Griffin coming from Detroit to Brooklyn, uh, there's a little something there, I think. Um, definitely. <laughs> uh, I will, and, and let me say this, the fact that Parker looks at Oklahoma University's Blake Griffin is like, please let him get a ring. Like, there's something well, there too. Um, there's... Texas's Kevin Durant is also on this team. Well, <laughs> I, I and don't think I didn't notice that you didn't mention Texas A&M's DeAndre Jordan. So don't think I didn't. I noticed. Um, uh, that and I have high school beef. We don't want to go there. <laughs> um, let's go to our final two fill-in-the-blank questions. The next fill-in-the-blank question, the team not in the playoffs this year, but most likely to make it next year, will be blank. So who didn't make it this year, Jade, but they're going to be back next year? And when you say the Raptors, tell us why you're a homer. (laughs) 
So I actually, I was, I wasn't sure about this one because we talked about Parker mentioned earlier how the play-in tournament isn't really playoffs, but it's not really regular season, so it's kind of no man's land. So I was gonna say the Warriors. Okay. Um. Incidentally, Jade, a hundred percent with you. Like, and I believe that the play-in tournament is the playoffs. I'm still gonna go Warriors because the <laughs> the the one to eight seed bracket, the Warriors aren't in it. And they will get Clay back, and they will be competing for the NBA championship next year because those three guys competed for NBA championships before Kevin Durant was ever there. So yeah. I firmly believe that it's going to be Golden State. Um, but also, yes, I was going to say the Raptors. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> this was a lost season. We were the only team that didn't get to actually have home court advantage all season long. And, like, forget about the fans. Think about your routine. You know, you get to go home. You come into the arena. You see all the same people. You go to your same lock. Like, all of that routine that those guys have had for years was upended because home, quote, unquote, was in Tampa Bay. On top of that, the team and the coaches got decimated with COVID all at the same time. And I knew it was going to be a lost season before all of that because I knew they were going to play to play for Giannis. And I expected them to make room for that to hopefully happen. So I, I, I expected it to be a lost season. I didn't expect it to be as rough as this was. And I don't, I, I expect them to, fingers crossed, be able to play in Toronto next year and get back to themselves. Parker, the team not in the playoffs this year, but most likely to make it next year will be well, to keep with these trends, I guess I have to say the Houston Rockets. But no, I, I think that – so if we're not I, – I came to the thing this is a no-brainer because I don't think of the playing as the playoffs, and the no-brainer is the Golden State Warriors, right? Um, I don't know if I'd go as far to say that, like, those guys at this age with this many games in the belts and the injuries that have happened to Clay are necessarily, like, a default title contender. Steph Curry is always obviously going to be Steph Curry for a long time, so maybe we can talk about that when I have a chance to think about that a little deeper. But as far as making the playoffs, if that doesn't count – I put them in. The other obvious answer here that you guys are missing is New Orleans because clearly Adam Silver would do absolutely anything to get Zion Williamson in the playoffs. And so they might just go ahead and slot them in there next year, right? I, I, no, I mean, um, well, here's what will happen. Adam Silver will legit say, you know what? We're going to try a new experiment this year. The play-in tournament will be every team in the league. Um, we, will, we will also include several college basketball teams. We will include Imani Bates, whatever team he's playing on in high school. We're getting them all in to the NBA playoffs. That's, I mean... Uh, on a real note, though, like there is a development process where next year that team does make a jump that like Memphis made this year, right? Like Ingram and Ball are good players, right? Zion has shown promise. Again, he hasn't even played 82 games yet. Like there are aspects of that that really could play out in their favor and then get into the play in and win their way in that this year. Not just because Silver wants them in. Yeah, so those would be my my two initially. I out east, I don't know because you know, frankly, I thought Chicago was with Vucevic looked okay this year, and then they didn't make it. So, I mean, like, if they were to get in the play and then win two games and they're in, maybe that's the move next year. I don't know. Uh, I like Chicago in the East. I think I said when they picked up Vucevic, Vucevic is not just a pickup for this season. Like, I understand right. the idea of he helps them to maybe push to get to the play. Vucevic is a long-term pickup. Vucevic will be an all-star in Chicago next year, the same way that he was an all-star playing for Orlando this year. He's a he's the player. This is going to be a, such an awful take now. But he was the player that actually wanted the Knicks to get instead of Julius Randle. And I understand. Oh, God. The, listen, <laughs> hey, hey, that was a good take at the time. Okay? <laughs> that was a good take at the time. Um, 
Now, Vucevic is I, – I believe that he's going to be a solid player long-term. I do think that the development around Chicago – I think there's some good stuff going on there. I like Donovan with that team, too. There's, there's some good stuff going on in Chicago, in my opinion. The final fill-in-the-blank question for this segment. The team in the playoffs that will be proven to be a fraud will be blank. Jay Johnson, who – are the biggest frauds in this year's playoffs? Hey, can you guys hear me? I can. We lost Jade. Okay. I forgot to unmute. Oh, hey. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, it's 2021. No one's going to get onto you for that. So um, <laughs> keep it in the podcast. Keep it Absolutely. Um, that will not be coming off. Uh, Jade. <laughs> so, Jade, who are the biggest frauds in this year's playoffs? So this one hurts my heart a little bit because it is one of my top five favorite teams. But I think the Mavs are going to have a rough go um, based on the fact that Luca and Kristaps haven't played together enough. I don't think I don't trust that he that Porzingis is going to be healthy all the way through the playoffs. Um, I think the Mavs have until the trade deadline next season for him to be able to find a way to play more than three games in a row without getting injured or decide to move on from him. Ooh, there's some fun takes. Hey, listen, as a Nick fan, I'm cool with them moving on from Kristaps. Um, now, <laughs> now, Parker, biggest fraud in the playoffs? Who do you think it is? Well, I have a hard time. So it's interesting she said Dallas because I also think that there are flaws in Dallas. I just have a hard time thinking of a team five or below as a fraud because – it's not even an upset if they lose in the first round, right? Um, not that I think this team is losing the first round, but you know my answer here, Shaka. I think the Utah Jazz are frauds. I, I, <laughs> I, just, I think that their whole defense is predicated on this idea that Rudy Gobert is going to be able to funnel two in the middle, and we see time and time again you can scheme him off the floor in a seven-game series, and that's going to be really hard for that like super uh, efficient, analytical, analytically strong defense to – function in the playoffs without him they did show this year one big improvement from last year this year for them aside from just winning more games is that with Ingles coming off the bench bogey coming off the bench they did a you know made a lot more three shot a higher percentage from three and that typically has carried over the playoffs the last four or five years um but mitchell's ankles not 100 percent right and it's like i i just i can see that falling apart and you know my opinion on them that's the easy answer <laughs> don't forget jordan clarkson either that kid has Maybe the most irrational confidence of any player in the in I love the NBA. those kind of guys, though. I love those kind of guys. Listen, I, I was those kind of guys. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, to me, Parker, I'm going to combat the sentiment that you just made, which is you believe that if you are a lower seed, five or below, how can you possibly be a fraud? I'm going to tell you the team that's going out in the first round that should not be going out in the first round based on everything that we know about them. That's the Miami Heat. They're going out in the first round to Milwaukee. They're frauds. They had a great year last year in the bubble. They did everything right to make the run in the bubble. Things broke the way that they needed to break for them, and they will get beat by Milwaukee. Milwaukee will handle Miami, and I honestly think they'll handle Miami in like five games. I think gentlemen sweep. So I look at the team that represented the Eastern Conference last year, and I say, when they go out after five games, they they should be called frauds. And and wouldn't trade Tyler Hero for James Harden. And <laughs> would not oh, trade man. Tyler Hero for James Harden. They will live to regret that decision. I, I think that they got to be the team. 
So Jade mentioned Kyle Lowry. That's the team that has to go get Lowry and bring, like, I think that long-term they need, and I understand that Lowry's not a long-term play, but if they want to be a championship contender in the next two seasons, three seasons, like over that time, that's the kind of guy they need to get to play with Jimmy Butler. And with Bam already anchoring the middle, you don't have to give up all your perimeter pieces to go get him. You just have to be willing to give up Tyler Hero, <laughs> which which they weren't which willing to do hard. for Harden, but maybe they will do in this case. So, I um, mean, not taking Harden is a culture thing, though. Like, Miami's serious about their culture, and Harden doesn't fit. Yeah, I'm serious about winning championships. And I feel like, you know, <laughs> I, if Harden helps us to do that, we might find a way. I've seen their culture bend for other guys, too, though. Like, I... I... <laughs> Udonis Haslam was about to punch Dwight Howard in the face. Nobody cared. He's going to murder that man on a court in front of cameras. Millions of people were watching that. Um, I was so not surprised that that happened. I was like, yep, that's 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 why Udonis Haslam's jersey is going to be in the rafters in Miami. In other news, water is wet, the sun is hot, snow is cold. You are 100% correct. Um, Jade. This has been awesome. This has been a year and a half in the making. The fact that this is only happening now is crazy in my mind. Will you please let folks know where they can find you on everything that you are doing right now? Yeah, so personally, you can find me at Auxiliary Things on Twitter. And then my show, Hardcore Honeys, has two live shows a week on Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. You can find us on Twitter at HC Honeys on Instagram at Hardcourt Honeys, on YouTube at Hardcourt Honeys, and we are launching a third YouTube exclusive show uh, called What Are They About, which will be exploring what we think of players as people outside of what they do for basketball. So look out for that. So two things there. Number one, I, James Harden's coming up on that show. That's not <laughs> even a question. Um, and the second thing is, uh, friends, auxiliary two eyes make sure you put both <laughs> eyes um jade thank you so much we so appreciate this thank you Thanks thank you for thank you. Me. friends that is another edition of fn sports that is my final edition of fn sports mr ainsworth normally this is where i ask you to talk about midweek mid-range and you let us know all the things that are going on. And I'm still going to give you the opportunity to do that. Before I do that, I just want to make sure I do two things, Mr. Ainsworth. Uh, I want to thank Beard Struggle and Yeti because we've had the opportunity to partner with them. And you will see their stuff on all of our media and you hear the Beard Struggle commercials. So thank you to them for partnering with us. And thank you to Jade Johnson for coming on, doing this episode. Jade OG from Belly Up, who's moved on. She's doing lots of wonderful stuff between the multiple YouTube shows that she has, the podcast. She is someone who really inspired me to be better at this. And so it was amazing to have her on this week. Mr. Ainsworth, I will still be watching Midweek Midrange. So you tell me, what do we have going on? We are officially, like, there's no more play-in. We got playoffs going. What are you going to be talking about this week, sir? So I think this week we're going to have some things like some uh, way too strong reactions to the first two games and we'll have some, some fun playoff times talking about what we've seen to that point. Uh, I'm sure you'll also hear us round up a little bit of WNBA talk because the women are out here balling these days. Uh, Chicago and Candace Parker look really great together. Hey, you watching um, you watching any of my New York Liberty? Because we're looking pretty good too. Hey. So, I mean, 
Sabrina looks tremendous. Uh, she, <laughs> she's a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, tune in on Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock on Twitter and YouTube. That's at Midweek Midrange. We also have an Instagram page. Uh, and we just talk basketball, whatever's going on in basketball at that time. And so it's 9 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Don't be afraid to pull up. Absolutely. Mr. Ainsworth, where can folks find you on social media, sir? So you can find my personal stuff at Painsworth 512 That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we have a show Twitter page. Uh, it's at FN Sports 2. That's F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, number two, all one word. I'll use Dash P-A. You can look up good old times where Shaka's use Dash C-C. <laughs> I, I think we still need to make sure we delineate whose takes are who's there, so I'm going <laughs> to make sure we keep that there. But uh, Shaka, we also have an Instagram absolutely come check us out on our instagram at f underscore in underscore sports you can find me on social media on my instagram and on my twitter at shaka cummings at c-h-a-k-a-c-u-m-m-i-n-g-s friends this has been an amazing year and a half thank you to belly up sports thank you to mike brown thank you to all of the listeners who have been downloading liking subscribing sharing doing all the wonderful things that help out our podcast I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Thank you, guys. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.